I want to start um, with a startling, uh, both startling and an exciting statement from Jesus. Uh, one of the more startling verses that we see in Scripture uh, in the Gospels, and it's going to be up there on the screen. It's the last verse of today's Scripture, and I want to start there with the last verse, a startling and an exciting verse. That verse says, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. That is a startling and exciting statement. Now, one of the things we're going to learn today is, man, he's not talking about like the Monday blues. Like, I get that might be a mountain for you guys, like, oh, mountain, like Mondays, I hate Mondays. Maybe your mountain is that, you know, the floor is lava. I don't know. Maybe that's your, your mountain and, <laughs> and you're having a hard time with that. Guys, we're going to dig in deep into what these mountains are. And the first question we should ask here with this startling statement is, can we literally move a mountain with a tiny bit of faith? Can we do that? Can we literally move a mountain with a tiny bit of faith? How are we supposed to take that? Are we supposed to take that literally or figuratively? Because... A lot of things in Scripture, you know, we have, to, we have to study and we have to understand, do we take this literally or is it figuratively? Because some stuff in Scripture is poetry and it's symbolism and, it, and it's metaphor. Sometimes we are to take stuff literally in Scripture. And this is kind of one of those verses that we encounter where we have to understand what exactly um, this means. And, and in my studying and my preparation for this, I'm confident in saying that this verse is figurative. It's figurative because uh, for a Jew in Jesus' day, uh, a mountain, it, it was a metaphor for them for doing seemingly impossible things. So we're to take this verse figuratively. But man, there is so much richness uh, in this text today, and we're going to get into that, and I'm excited for you guys to participate in this. Now, with this verse, you know, it's a statement uh, that Jesus makes that we actually love to isolate this verse on its own and, and we apply it in ways that are not faithful to God's word. We'll take this one verse and be like, yeah, awesome. Like, I want to do this, you know, and, and it's impossible. And, you know, we, we, we think about what we want to do in life. We think about what we want to do in life and we believe it will happen. And we use this verse to champion our pursuit of it in our own strength. That's what we like to do with some of these verses. We isolate them. But what we really should be thinking about is, what does God want us to do? What does he want us to do? And then surrendering and aligning ourselves with his word and trusting his way. And trusting his way. So guys, we're going to talk about faith, that word faith, that Jesus says. We're going to talk about faith and what the object, that's a key word, the object of our faith is. Guys, we're going to talk about the word posture, the posture of our hearts, the posture of this faith, and how we connect to the presence and the power of God, because the presence and power of God is a real thing. And we're going to talk about the posture of our hearts and connecting with the power of God. And we're going to talk about, like, what, what's Jesus talking about? What are these mountains? What are these mountains that he's talking about that Jesus is referring to? So to understand this, this startling and exciting statement 
and answering these questions, we have to understand the text right before this verse, the text right before it. And that's where we are today. We're in Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. And we're going to pick apart this text and we're going to understand what Jesus is talking about. So let's open up our scriptures. It's on the screen as well. Matthew 17, verses 14 through 20. In the scripture, it says this. It says, And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So guys, last week, we were just on top of a mountain, right? We were on top of a mountain last week. Jesus transfigured himself. He revealed himself in a way that he's never revealed himself to, to the disciples uh, in his glory, uh, shining in his majesty. He was transfigured, and he did it in the sight of Peter, James, and John. Jesus, he gave them an intimate look at his glory. So before the disciples, they knew a lot of information about Jesus. They were, they've been following him around and like listening to him and things like that and learning from him. Now, he gives them an intimate experience. They have experienced Jesus in an intimate and powerful, unprecedented way on top of this mountain. So now Matthew, he brings us back down to earth. He brings us back down to earth to the bottom of the mountain. We've seen what happened at the top of the mountain. Now we're at the bottom, at the foothills of the mountain. Jesus, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they come down from the mountain and they learn that the nine other disciples, they were facing another kind of mountain, which was a demon-possessed boy whose father is seeking healing for him. Now, guys, this demon, in the parallel text, because in the Gospels, uh, the writers take some different angles at what happens. They're all true. All the Gospel accounts are true, but they're kind of like reporting news. They're looking at what happened from a different angle, from a different perspective. So it's good to go look at the other Gospels and see if there's parallel accounts, and you can garner more detail about what's going on here. And in the parallel text in Mark 9, we learn that the demon is an extremely powerful demon. It has been battering this boy and shattering this boy all his life since birth. A powerful, powerful, violent demon. The disciples were unable to cast out this demon. Why? It's because of their little faith. And it goes much deeper than that. You see, Jesus, when he talks about this mustard seed, a mustard seed is a tiny, tiny, tiny seed. What Jesus is saying is they don't even have the faith of a tiny mustard seed. That's how little 
that their faith is. Jesus is saying, it's not about the quantity of your faith. It's not about if you have great faith or if you have a little bit of faith. What matters is the object of your faith. What matters is the object of your faith. Guys, if it were about quantity, if it were about like great faith and a little faith, well, you would be constantly trying to create and build more faith in your own strength. Because the reality is, is faith, it's not a virtue. It's not a virtue that you can just like turn on and off and like just wake up one day and be like, and just be like, I just, I want more faith, so I'm just going to have more faith. Like, you know, that's not how it works. You can't just turn it on or off one day. It's not like going to Burger King and just deciding to pay for the person behind you and just making that decision, guys. It's not a virtue. Faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. It's a gift from God. And it's not so much about the faith. Really, it's not about us and the faith as much as it is about the object of our faith. It's about the object of our faith. It's about Jesus, the object of our faith. Because if we're honest, man, we throw around that word faith a lot. I have faith. When a lot of times what we're thinking is, is like, I have faith, but it's really faith in myself. Or faith, I don't know, faith in like the universe, the ether. Faith in the sun, moon, and stars. Just saying that we have faith is not enough. What is the object of your faith? That's what we're learning here. It's Jesus as the object of our faith. And the disciples, their faith was so little because of the object. And the object of their faith was themselves. It was themselves. Because we learn in the parallel text. Remember, in the parallel text, it gives a little bit more detail that we want to look at. In the parallel text, it says the disciples, they were prayerless. They were prayerless. What does that mean that they were prayerless? Guys, they're not connecting to Jesus because their heart's posture. It's because of their heart's posture was of self-reliance and self-determination and their own strength. Guys, more faith in themselves. They had more faith in themselves and in the power of the demon than they did the power of Jesus. Than they did in Jesus. And guys, that's the world that we live in, is it not? Self-determination, self-reliance. Have faith in yourself. And what we're seeing here is quite the opposite. And we're going to learn more that it is quite the opposite when it comes to connecting with the power and the presence of God in Christ. Guys, the disciples, they focused on themselves and the obstacle, the demon, and not on the object, which is Jesus. They focused on the demon and not the deity. Guys, look at the Father here. Look at the scripture. Look at the Father. Look at, he's kneeling before Jesus. He's kneeling before Jesus. He's begging. And it's not just his body. It's not just his body that's on its knees. It's, it's, it's his heart. His heart is on its knees, desperate for what he believes that Jesus can do and for who he thinks Jesus is. 
And guys, the parallel text, it gives us a little bit more detail here about the heart of the Father. And the scripture says in the parallel text, it says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. That tells a story. That tells a story. Guys, he acknowledges his weakness, admitting that he doesn't have what it takes to handle the sin and the evil and the suffering that he's facing. He acknowledges that. The father responds, I do believe. I do believe. But help me overcome my doubts. Help me overcome my doubts. His faith is little, just like the disciples. And it's riddled with doubts. Now, Jesus, he could have said, wash your hands, put on something nice, do this and do that, and then I'll help you. But that's religion. Jesus wants a relationship. He wants a relationship with you. A relationship with you. Jesus is saying, I want you to want me. I don't want you to want what I can give you. I want you to want me. That's what he's saying here. The father, the father is saying, I can't muster the strength necessary to meet the moral and the spiritual challenges. Help me. Help me. Help me want you. Help me want you, guys. This is saving faith. This is saving faith. Faith in Christ and not yourself. The object of his faith is Jesus. And the posture of his heart is a posture of humility, a posture of weakness for Christ. Guys, the disciples, they have little faith. They have little faith in the wrong thing. The Father has little faith in the real thing. And Jesus, he heals the boy with ease. Let's talk about Jesus, the object of our faith. Guys, as you read, as you read the text uh, between last week and this week, I absolutely believe these scriptures are connected. The gospel writers, they're, they're, they're being inspired by the Holy Spirit and they're writing, and these two texts, they relate to each other. We have to see that as a whole last week's text and this week's test. You see the contrast between the glory of last Sunday, the glory of last Sunday that we've seen in the transfiguration, and then now we see the ugliness at the bottom of the mountain, the ugliness that we see today. It's a part of the tension that magnifies Jesus so much. It's a part of that tension. So from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the mountain, we see our vast separation from God. We see our vast separation from God and, and his holiness and his perfection and his glory and his majesty. Indescribable majesty. Because of sin, you see, salvation, that's the mountain. That's our biggest mountain that we face. The mountain of sin and evil and death and suffering. That is the biggest mountain that we face and we cannot overcome that mountain. We cannot move that mountain in our own strength. We cannot do it. We cannot do it. 
in Nepal, there is this like sneaky Eastern people group that they, for generations, they've been living at the foothills of the Himalayas. They're called the Sherpas. They've been living there for generations. Nobody knows the Himalayas and Mount Everest better than these people. They've been there for generations and they know the, where the, the alt, they know everything about the altitudes. They know how, how, just how and when to, to breathe correctly, breathe more, breathe less, to adjust for the altitudes. They know all the paths, they know all the routes. Tourist climbers that go to, to climb Mount Everest or the Himalayas, they cannot do it. They can't do it without a Sherpa. So what happens is they assign a Sherpa, they pay a Sherpa, and the Sherpa actually goes with them and in front of them. And all this the Sherpa does is just like, go here, go there, go here, go there, follow this path. All the climbers have to do is just climb. They don't have to do anything. All they have to do is just listen to the Sherpa. Guys, what Jesus is saying here, once again, he's always saying this. In one way or another, he's demonstrating, I am God. I am God. I am your Sherpa. You cannot climb this mountain on your own. You need me. You need me. Guys, make no mistake, though, Jesus, he doesn't show us like a way, like one of many ways, or he doesn't show us the way. It's not about like a path or, again, like things that to do, to go in this route here. Jesus is always showing us that he is the way. It's Jesus himself. Jesus himself, the person of Christ, is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. It's Jesus. Guys, between last Sunday and today, Jesus, he's showing us his posture can you see it? He's showing us his posture and, and what we can draw from it and how we can connect to the, to the power and the presence of God. Jesus, remember, he left the glory on top of the mountain. He showed his glory and all his majesty in the transfiguration. And he leaves his glory and he goes to the bottom of the mountain. He goes to the bottom of the mountain in the ugliness, in the, in the evil, in the suffering, and the sin. And he enters that mess. Guys, likewise, Jesus left the glory of heaven. He left the glory of heaven and he came down to the bottom. He came down to earth into our mess to identify with us. He came down to the bottom of the mountain into our ugliness and into our mess. And he lived a life that we live. But Jesus lived perfectly and obediently to the Father. Guys, God's power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. On the cross, in weakness and in humility, Jesus told sin to move from here to there. In humility and weakness, he told sin to move from here to there. And in his resurrection... He told death to move from here to there. He's moved those greatest mountains that we cannot move, and he's done it for us. And now going forward, it's faith. It doesn't matter how much or how little. It's about Jesus. 
And it's about faith and the object of Jesus Christ. Guys, let's apply this. Let's apply this. What, what are these mountains that Jesus is referring to? Because it, it's a broad meaning. You see, again, once again, we have to look at the top of the mountain, what happened last week, and then to the bottom. Remember, the Father, God the Father at the top of the mountain, remember what he said? He said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. God the Father was affirming and empowering God the Son for the infinite suffering that he was about to endure soon on the cross and affirming him and empowering him to move the greatest mountain of sin and death. And, but at the bottom, what happens at the bottom? At the bottom, Jesus shows us tangibly. He shows us that he empowers us. He shows us that he empowers us in the same way to overcome sin and suffering and evil. Guys, I want to help you sharpen the definition of your mountains because the meaning of these mountains is super broad. You can really, you can, you can really paint a broad brushstroke on what these mountains are. Man, I'm kind of facing like a huge mountain right now and probably always will be with, with church planting. Church planting <laughs> is such a giant mountain. I still can't believe that God is like guiding me into this process and I'm facing this huge, giant mountain that I am powerless, power, absolutely powerless to, to, to like make it work, to, to, to bring the message of Christ to, to a people. I have no power to save people. I have no power to prosper and to grow this church. It is all God. All God. That is a giant mountain. <laughs> and I am both excited and terrified. Let me tell you something. But that is a good position to be in. That is the best position to be in. I know my heart is operating from a position of humility and from weakness. I cannot wait to see what God does with church planting. Guys, it's going to take Jesus being the object of our faith and church planting, and then it's going to take us using our gifts that God has given us in a posture, in a posture of humility, a posture of humility and dependence on God. Now, guys, it's so much more than that, though. It's so much more than just something like church planting, or maybe God is calling you to do some kind of a task. It's so much more than these, like, outward things, these outward tasks. It's so much more than that. These things that we have to like get around or, or figure out or that we have to do, it can be church planting. It can be something that God's calling you, like a task. But it, it can also be these things that we suffer, like, like job loss or hardships. Job loss or hardships or family crisis or sickness. Sickness or rebellious children. Man, I get that. I get rebellious children right now. That's a whole nother sermon. I'll be preaching that next week, so no. Guys, unpaid bills, lying friends, enemies. It can be all of those things. But guys, the list often stops there. Does it not? The list often stops there. Those aren't wrong things. Those are actually right things. But those waters, they're too shallow. 
They're too shallow. Guys, sometimes, more often than we'd like, God will actually allow those mountains to endure. He will. He'll allow those mountains to endure to teach us and to draw us to himself. So it must be more than those external mountains. It has to be more than that. It has to be. Guys, with God, it's always an inside job. Always. You look throughout the scriptures. It is always an inside job. God is constantly, constantly trying to get to your heart. Constantly. He wants to own your heart. He wants to occupy all of the real estate in your heart. Not just a little bit, all of it. He wants all of it, as he should. As he should. So guys, these mountains, it must be more than these external things. Guys, it's, more, it's not about what you, what you do or these things that you have to do as much as it is being somebody for God. It's being somebody for God. It's not asking the question, God, why is this happening? We should be asking God, what are you doing in this? And he'll answer you. God, what are you doing in this? And he'll answer you. Guys, it's the mountains of the heart. Jesus is always trying to go deeper. It's so uncomfortable, is it not? It's tremendously uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, but he wants to shape our hearts. Guys, as humans, man, we are, let me tell you something, we are professionals at just having blinders on. And all we do is focus on the outward. That's all we do. We look around us and what's happening. Oh, it's his fault. It's her fault. My marriage is terrible. It's her fault. It's his fault. You know, we, we look at the things that are happening to us when we never introspectively look into our hearts. We never look into our own hearts. Maybe that's what God is trying to do. Maybe that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get into our hearts. Guys, what are your demons, I want to ask you? What are they? What are the things in your heart that seem just immovable to you? That you, can, you feel like you cannot ascend? You cannot climb that mountain? What's tormenting you in your heart? It is really uncomfortable to have to introspectively look at your own heart. But we need to do those things, and God is going to give us ways to do that. Guys, your mountain, it might be habitual sin. It might be a habitual sin that you cannot, you just can't stop. You can't stop. It could be a habitual sin. It could be forgiving somebody. That might be a mountain in your heart is forgiving somebody. Remember, it's about who you are. It's about being somebody for God. Maybe forgiving somebody is the mountain in your heart. Maybe it's anger just swelling inside of you. And it's affecting relationships around you. Maybe it's loving an enemy. Maybe it's loving an enemy of yours. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's loving your neighbor as yourself. Maybe that's a mountain in your heart. Maybe it's honoring your mother and your father. Maybe, maybe it's getting past a, a hurt from an absent parent. That's a mountain in your heart. Maybe it's just hardness of heart that is destroying, destroying your family. Maybe it's a busy heart. 
I've been learning a lot about this lately. Maybe it's a busy heart, and your busy heart is just affecting your relationship with God and your relationship with others, with your own family, and your own marriage. Guys, because of sin, these are the mountains that are deeply rooted in our hearts, and they are insurmountable. They are impossible. We cannot ascend them without the saving power of Jesus and the freeing power of Jesus. These are the mountains that God first and foremost desires for us to move. These are the things. And guys, listen here. He'll often use the outward mountains around us. Remember, we're always looking outside of us and never into our hearts. He'll use those outside mountains to get to our inward ones. He will. That's what he does. That's the purpose of what's happening outside of your life in these outward mountains that you're facing. Guys, it wasn't about the demon in this text, really, as much as it was, was Jesus drawing out of that father his humility and his weakness and his dependence and his need for Jesus. Guys, church planting, I feel like God is telling me it's not about the church planting. There's thousands of pastors that can do it. There's plenty of church plants. It's not about that. That's going to be a part of it. And it's a huge mountain. But church planting, it's, it's not, God's not concerned with that as much as he is with forming my heart in the midst of it and forming the hearts of the people that are involved in the midst of it. That's what God is going to be doing, is forming hearts in the midst of that mountain. Guys, I got laid off from my dream job in 2009. I had worked my butt off. I had worked hard to get to this dream job. I experienced a lots, lots of success, and I was right where I wanted to be, and then I got laid off. I got laid off. I lost my dream job, and it derailed my career. I lost control of the next steps of building. From there on, all I could do was just, I could only go where the job was, and it wasn't where I wanted to be. I faced this giant mountain, but right before I got laid off, I met Christ. I had an encounter with Christ. And I know that God was teaching me in that and, and being laid off. God was showing me. He was uncovering me. Through that mountain, he was uncovering the idolatry in my heart of my career of success and finding my significance through my career's success. He was doing something in my heart through what happened. Guys, preaching, preaching to me, I know it might not look like it, but I'm telling you, it is a mountain to me. I don't like speaking publicly. I don't like it. But I feel like God is calling me to it. So every, every sermon I preach, it's a giant mountain. In the beginning of the process, I'm like, God, what am I going to do with this text? I need you. I need you to show me with, with this text, and I need you to give me the strength and, and, and the ability to go up here and to speak on his word with you. And I know that through preaching, God has me preaching. I know it because I have pride issues. Through preaching, he's uncovering pride in my heart because it's all cool, like preaching in front of people and like you're the center of attention. I had like pride issues. And sometimes I still do. I'm not going to lie. But he's uncovering that. 
He's showing it to me. Look, here, you have pride here. Let's work on that. Be prayerful. Ask for that to go away. And it's, it's forming my relationship with Jesus. It's growing my relationship with Jesus through my weakness and through needing him and, and being prayerful through all of this. Guys, it's maybe caring for my kids. Maybe caring for my kids. A couple weeks ago, I, I had to care for my kids by myself. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it too much. <laughs> a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a five-month-old. Yeah. Now, thank God, my mom. <laughs> my mom helped me. But guys, it's not about, because it, it was a struggle. It was a struggle in, in ways. But it, it's not so much about caring for my kids as much as it was what, what God was doing was revealing something in my heart. Because I'm not going to lie, I wasn't patient the whole time. I wasn't loving the whole time. And he was uncovering that. And he's teaching me and showing me and growing me how to be patient and to be loving in the midst of this just dis destruction, <laughs> this disaster. He's teaching me how to be present, present with my kids. And it, the progress is slow, but the mountain, it's moving a little bit, but it is moving. It is moving. I know it is. Guys, maybe it's sacrificially serving our spouse. Maybe it's sacrificially serving our spouse. Maybe that's the mountain. But what God is, is, is doing, he's maneuvering and kind of showing in your heart. He's uncovering your heart this selfishness, this me-first mentality that we bring into our marriages. He's uncovering that, and he's showing me my need for him. How to sacrifice, but to do it ungrudgingly and to do it with a glad and joyful heart. Right? Guys, the disciples, they had little faith. They had little faith, and it was small on Jesus and big on self. The Father, he had little faith, but it was big on Jesus, and it was small on self. It was small on self. God's power is made perfect in weakness. And we see this no better than on the cross. On the cross of Christ. Before we can move mountains of our hearts, let alone any mountain, we need to, we need to move that mountain of, of sin, of suffering and evil. We need to move that mountain of salvation that we cannot do. We cannot do in our own strength. We cannot do it. Guys, perfect sinlessness in our own strength, it's impossible. The standard with which we need to achieve, to, to access a, a relationship with God, is this perfect sinlessness, this holiness. We cannot do it in our own strength. And if you strive for that, if you wait for that, you will never experience the presence and the power of God. You will not do it. You will not do it. You won't do it. But humility and dependence and faith in Christ and his strength, his strength 
and his power and his work on the cross as the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. When we put all of our dependence and all of our heart into what Jesus has done, you will experience the power and the presence of God. God, his power is made perfect in weakness. At the cross, Jesus disarmed sin. He disarmed sin. And in, in the tomb, he, he disarmed death. And now that we've become past those things, now we're free. We're free for, for God to come in and just start cleaning, to start moving these other mountains in our hearts. Because at the cross, we are freed from sin's pull on us. It's pulling on us. Every single one of us experiences this. We sense that something is wrong. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why do I feel these way, this way? Why do I act this way sometimes? Why? We all sense that to some degree. But we're freed from that. And the resurrection, it opens the door. It opens the door for us to overcome sin and evil and suffering in our lives. Guys, Jesus is the Lord of the mountain. Jesus is Lord of the mountain. Jesus is our Sherpa. Jesus is our Sherpa. And don't get me wrong, it's not mountains that you want to move. Like, yo, I want to make a million dollars, man. You know, that's like a really hard thing to do. And, you know, not that. It's not mountains that you want to move. It's mountains that God wants you to move. It's mountains that he wants you to move. Guys, Jesus wants to be the object of your faith, and he wants to develop that within a posture of humility and of weakness and dependence and prayer. Because mountain-moving faith comes from looking at Jesus, not the mountain. Looking at Jesus, not the mountain. Looking at the object and not the obstacle. Looking at the deity and not the demon. And guys, with the tiniest bit of faith, with the tiniest bit of faith, we can tell bitterness to move from here to there. We can tell resentment to move from here to there. We can tell unforgiveness to move from here to there. We can tell death to move from here to there in Christ. We can tell hate to move from here to there in Christ. Let's pray.